listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Mark Kirkendall. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. But um, I bring greetings from Karen. I know that uh, a lot of you have really uh, been praying for her and praying for our family. Uh, it's basically, I brought some stuff up here. I better get it out. <clears throat> it's, it's really been a, a tough few weeks for our family. Uh, of course, many of you know that my brother passed away here last month. And uh, shortly after that, I'm <clears throat> at home with my wife and in the middle of the night, she gets up and passes out. And so I had to call 911. We had to get them to come out there. And that was her first ride in an ambulance. And trust me, she didn't enjoy it. So we get her up there. And she's got surgery scheduled for July the 19th. Well, this was three weeks ago. And uh, we just really, she couldn't wait. And it was a God thing that we got her in there earlier than that. But um, a few days later, on a Sunday night, it was a Friday, it, everything is meshed together. But anyway, a few days later, she passes out again. So we have to get her to the hospital. We get her to the hospital, and they go ahead and do the operation. And, and it, uh, it was successful. It lasted a little longer than what we wanted. But anyway, she's out. She's doing a lot better, and she can't hardly wait to get back to see most of you, some of you. Uh, You know, I'm just pulling your leg. But honestly, I, I, I don't know how anybody makes it that doesn't have Jesus Christ in their heart. I really don't. And to go a little further than that, I don't know how anybody makes it through problems like that without being in a body of believers. Because your prayers meant a whole lot to us. The flowers that you sent and the meals that were prepared and brought to us. That is a body of believers that believes in putting the scripture into action. I just have one thing that I want to bring out to you on the meals. Karen said not to say this, but I'm going to. Those meals were fantastic. And out back is a sign-up sheet. So, <laughs> so the way so that we can continue uh, with that part of the ministry. <laughs> I, <laughs> I want to help you out in your faith. How's that sound? So <clears throat> I'll be preaching out of Matthew chapter 7, and I'll be talking about the last uh, five verses. And uh, a few weeks ago, Clint uh, was preaching where he was teaching on out of chapter 7, and his topic was to keep it in context. And he used an analogy about a trunk. And he's talking about how that when you went to a zoo, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the word trunk? Well, you think of an elephant. When you go to the forest and you hear the word trunk, what do you think of? You think of what? An elephant. No, you think of a tree. And then he went on to explain, I'm hope that I found the right trunk this morning to finish this out and keep it in context. And then Fredo preached last week, and Fredo, that was an awesome job. I really received a lot out of that. And he talked about false prophets and false teachers on how that they uh, come in dressed like sheep, 
uh, got that, remember that cartoon with Bugs Bunny? And the, the wolf would come in and he had that little sheep's clothing on his head and he'd get in there and start man with the best of them. Next thing you know, he was taking a bite out of one of them. But Fredo talked about false teachers and false prophets and how that they come in and they act just like us and they use a little bit of the truth and they raise it above and beyond the body of truth to draw men unto themselves or unto a, a teaching that's not cohesive with the rest of God's word. But we're going to be talking this morning out of Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29, and I'll go ahead and read that in just a moment. And the theme in this particular set of verses is be hearers of the word and not doers only. And so I'm going to go ahead and open us in prayer real quick, and then we'll get right into our message. Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to be able to come and sit and worship freely and hear your word. Lord, we know that there are other countries, Lord, that don't have that freedom. And we pray for them right now. Lord, that you strengthen that body. Lord, that they would continue in hearing, even if it's in secret, Father, hearing and, and speaking your word. Strengthen them, Father, and encourage them. And this morning, we give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give you alone the praise because you are due these things in the precious name of Jesus. I'm going to read out of Matthew chapter 7. Do we have it up on the Matthew? There we go. I would read it right here, but glasses just don't really work when Scripture's that small. I don't know why they print it that way. But this is what it says in verses 24 through 29. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built what happened? Okay. Who, <laughs> if it's not the sound system, then it's something else. A wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and reads them and everyone that hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the next floods came and the winds blew and beat again against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it and when Jesus finished these sayings the crowds were astonished at his teaching for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. This is the last parable in Matthew chapter 7, and it brings the Sermon on the Mount to a close. There are a couple things that are taking place in this last few verses here, because we see that in this parable here, when he's talking about the hearers and the doers, in this parable, Jesus calls for his audience of course, it was the scribes and the teachers and it was the, all the, the, the religious people that were there. And then he talk, was talking to the crowd of people who were just there to hear his word. He brings this audience to a place to make a decision between himself and the establishment. I'll say that again. He brings them to a place to make a decision between himself and the establishment. And in this parable, Jesus draws a dividing line between himself and any other foundation. When you see me flip over 20 of these, then you know that I'm done, okay? 
And I promise you, I've only got one closing, Clint, not five. <clears throat> but let me give you a little background history real quick about what Jesus was having to deal with when he was sharing this last parable with them. Prior to the birth of Jesus, we know that God had given the law to Israel, the Jewish people, and for thousands of years, this was their means of having a relationship with God. But the law was actually more than just, just that. It was their school teacher, and it was the very compass that would point the Jewish people to Christ if they kept it in context and did what the scriptures had told them to do. And in this, we would see this in this compass where it was pointing towards Christ. We would see the birth of Christ. We see the life of Christ. We see the crucifixion of Christ and we would see the resurrection all throughout scripture. You know, the law pointed out their sin and the righteousness of God and man's inability to keep it and their need for a savior, for a messiah, for a perfect sacrifice, and for a righteousness that they could not have unless it came only through Christ Jesus. Because it wasn't just keeping the law. And that's how they looked at keeping righteousness in their lives. And it couldn't come that way. It would only come through Christ. They needed a one-time sacrifice. That would do more than roll their sins back from year. Now remember, this is what Jesus is dealing with when he's talking to the scribes and the Pharisees who were teaching the people that this is the way to go when it wasn't. But they needed a one-time sacrifice that would do more than just roll their sins back from year to year. They needed a sacrifice that would wash their sins away. See, there was nothing wrong with the law. In fact, the law was perfect. In Romans chapter 8, in verse 1, it says this, Therefore, there is now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak in the flesh, listen to this last part, God sending his only Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, condemned sin in the flesh, that the what? The righteousness of the law would be fulfilled in them that walk not after what? The flesh, but after the spirit. Christ alone and him alone fulfilled the law. Christ alone and in him alone comes life. Christ alone cleanses us from unrighteousness. Scripture says that we have become the righteousness of God through whom? Through Christ Jesus. 1 Peter 2.24 says that he went to a cross. He bore our sins on that tree that we might what? Become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus himself said this about the law. I did not come to what? Destroy the law, but I came to fulfill it. Something that you could not do. Christ opens up in this last parable with a powerful and straightforward statement. And this is what he says in verse 24. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. You know, there are hearers <laughs> and then there are doers. 
hearers and doers. I remember growing up, it's been a while, a long time ago, but I remember growing up, my father used to say, after he would tell us to do something, he'd always say, did you hear what I said? And of course, we would all four nod. Yes, Dad, we heard. Then why wasn't it done? Well, I don't know, Dad. Could you tell us what to do again? My dad would repeat it. And if we didn't do it, guess what? It was not like standing on a solid rock when he came into the bedroom. It was like standing on quicksand because we knew that we were going to pay a price that we did not want to pay. <clears throat> Scripture points out not to be hearers only, but also to be doers of the word. Jesus is placing the emphasis on the individual who doesn't just hear, but he puts into practice what he has heard. Some of you know that I'm kind of hard of hearing. <clears throat> and you may have to repeat yourself once, twice, three times, keep going, four times. And, and sometimes I, I just have to get up and go stand right next to you and say, can you speak into the ear so that I can hear what you're saying? Uh, Paul, can I borrow one of your hearing aids? He's the old man of the church. You know, <laughs> when, I, when I hear conversations, all I want to do is get it right. <laughs> I certainly don't want to agree with something that I can't hear. My mother used to tell my father all the time, Herb, because he was hard to hear, and maybe that's where I got it from. She used to say, Herb, quit nodding your head yes, because you have no idea what you're agreeing to. But Jesus says, it's more than just hearing, but it's hearing what I'm saying and then what? Doing what I am telling you to do. There are two kinds of listeners on that day on the mount. There was the hearers and doers, and there were the hearers who had already made up their minds that they were the answer and that they had it all together and that they had the law of Moses, and that was good enough for them. And that seemed to be the message to believers. And they thought to themselves that if it's good enough for them, then they're going to make sure that you heard it so that it would be good enough for you. In Matthew chapter 21, and Mark will be talking about this a few weeks down the line in verses 28 through 32, we see the parable of the two sons. They both heard the request of their father to go and to work in the vineyard. The first son, we know what his response was. He refused to go. But later on, he had a change of heart. He had a change of mind. And to honor his father, he went and worked, and he worked in the vineyard. The second son who heard the same request agreed to go and later changed his heart and mind and did not go. And in doing so, he did not honor his father. And so Jesus, at the end of this parable about the two sons, he had a question for everybody that was there. Of course, it was the religious people that were there. And this was his question. Jesus asked the religious sect, which one of the two sons did the will of their father? And in all 
the religious piety that they could work up, guess what they said? Why, the first one, of course. He went out and went to the vineyard like he was asked to do. But in order for him to do that, and I want to bring you back to this, that son had to change his mind and to change his heart in order to do what they, to, to honor his father. Jesus explained to the hearers and the doers who build their house on the rock that these people are like wise men. I'm on page 15. I got five left. Why would that be? Jesus goes on to explain that there will be storms that will bring with it rains, floods, and winds. And these storms will bring <clears throat> with them rains and floods and, and I got lost, and winds. And these represent trials, they represent tests, and they represent false teachings that try to say to us, there must be something better. But Jesus encourages his listeners that when the storms have passed, the rock and all that is built upon it will be the only one that stands. And that's the reason why I said earlier, I don't see how anybody can make it without having Christ in their heart, without being hooked with a body of believers because they come and they stand by you and they help you work through these issues. And Jesus is saying at this point of time, if you build on this rock, my word, when all these storms come, when the winds blow, when the trials of life, when the false teachings come and go, if you have built on the rock, all those things will be washed away, but you will stand because I am the rock. You know, Jesus turned an extremely difficult time in his ministry. He looked up and saw all the, the followers, his disciples, and some of his, some of his closest friends. They all just got up and left. And Jesus looked out among the 12 and he said, Will you also depart from me when all these things get tough? Will you also pack your bags and go ahead and go? And Peter answered a question. He's done this a couple times now. But he answers this question wisely. And he says this, where would we go? Who could we hook ourselves up to, with to? For you alone. And I could, honestly, I could see Peter's heart at this point of time. He says, for you alone have the words of what? Life. You alone have the words of life. I want to encourage you this morning to continue to build on the rock because he is the sure foundation. Because Christ, our rock, our foundation cannot fail. You know, the alternative is found in verse 26. If you don't build on the rock, but the alternative is built on, on, on verse 26. That's the alternative. Let me find it. Where's the alternative? And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act upon them will be a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and burst against the house. And it fell, and great was the fall. 
That is the alternative. If we do not build upon the rock, which is Christ Jesus, and we build upon false doctrine, we build upon our feelings, we build upon our emotions, guess what? Just like the rains and the floods came against those that believed in Christ, they will come against those who do not believe in Christ, and great will the fall be in their life. You know, and when Jesus had finished these sayings, Scripture says that the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. There used to be an old commercial that I used to listen to, and some of you are probably old enough to remember this commercial, and some of you, well, you're not. But just bear with me because I'm going to talk to the old people now, Paul. There was an investment firm called E.F. Hutton. How many remembers that? Hallelujah. I'm speaking to the crowd. There was an investment firm called E.F. Hutton. And this commercial went like this. It says, when E.F. Hutton speaks, and then all of a sudden all these people that are walking down the road, they all stop and they, they put their ear out and they said, people listen. When E.F. Hutton speaks, People listen. But you know what? It's not just the listening part that helped them out in their finances. But when they heard what E.F. Hutton was saying, where to invest their finances, guess what? Those that invested their finances, as E.F. Hutton said to do, guess what? Their finances grew. And so we know that when Christ speaks to you and I, It will do us absolutely no good unless we move beyond just hearing that word. We have to be doers also. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at BethelBible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.